Uh, welcome to episode 59 of Friday Night Counterattack. Wow, 59. We're really motoring across these episodes. Pretty, pretty good. Uh, but no, I'm back again. Salem's back again. Sal, how are we doing today? How are we doing this week? We've had some really big signings for Aston Villa. So how are you feeling? Yeah, yeah. It's been, in terms of like, it feels like I'm playing, you know, football manager and I'm like three seasons deep or something for Villa, you know, after so I've gone top four and I've signed some big players. That's how it feels. But yeah, you know, and apparently the signings aren't stopping there. We've got Dean in today uh, and we've got Coutinho over the line too. Uh, we're linked with a kid called Kerr. I believe he's about 16 for Dundee United. I think he's one that's coming close, defender. We're mm. after preferably, a, I believe, a centre-defensive mid that's been spoken about quite a lot. So uh, Bisuma is linked, but obviously subject to the allegations that have been put across to him. He's got 18 months left on his deal, so he should be... I believe if, if everything's clear in terms of like legally, I think we should 100% be the team that sign him. And other than that, we're after like potentially like a backup keeper on loan just for some competition and another centre-half. Uh, we want to get, you know, quality centre-back in as we've not got much depth. That's probably the only area where we don't have any depth, to be fair. Yeah, it's, it's been it's been refreshing to see a club doing a lot of business in the January transfer window, especially as Steven Gerrard, this is his first transfer window for Aston Villa. So there's a certain type of player he wants. But Luca Digne, that was a quality sign in my opinion. I think that's a real upgrade from uh, Matty uh, Target that you've got at left back as well. And Philippe Coutinho, he, he's looking in line to start against Manchester United on Sunday as well. So where do you think Coutinho would fit into the system? Would he be one of the front three or would he be one of the midfield three in the middle? I think he'd be one of the front three behind uh, yeah. Ings and just next to Watkins, I think. To be honest, uh, Stevie G is quite flexible tactically. So, and even Coutinho and Wendy. To be honest, most of our forward line are quite are quite flexible. But um, Stevie G's normal one is the four three three. But the three sort of in front of the midfield, the attacking three, the two sort of white sort of wingers or players off the striker, they tend to be quite narrow. So, mm-hmm. they play like the left side of that because so sort of Stevie prefers is like wing backs providing the width, which is why sort of Dean's come in because. I mean, Target hasn't looked his normal self and he hasn't looked quite attacking as much as like Cash has been. So I reckon he could play there or alternatively, we could always have uh, Coutinho playing in the 10 and having like two midfielders sort of sitting. But I think we need, you know, like it depends. I just It just depends. I mean, it just shows how many options we've got, you know, as a sort of Villa fan, like a season ago or, or two seasons ago, we'd probably just be able to name like 11 good players and maybe like two like maybe have one or two like debates or him or him, but now it's like getting to that stage where you know you're putting a lineup in and you're leaving out five or six like top quality players that you know you could put in as well. So we've got crazy level of depth at the moment, and it's just options to be honest. I mean, it's something that you need if you want to sort of you know push on and really do well because the thing that's always cost us is this like you know lack of squad. This is not even just now, it's like talking back 10 years ago, 11 years ago under O'Neill where we should have got top four like three seasons in a row, but we, you know, we'd be fourth, we'd be nine nine points ahead of fifth. And then in February, March, it just all fall apart because we just didn't have anyone to come in. Uh, last season was the same where Jack got injured for like 15 games. If he doesn't get injured, you know, we probably get sixth. But I mean, Hib obviously getting injured, leading him to him being sold has, you know, sort of worked out for us. I mean, who would have thought in the end? But yeah, now it's like, you know, even if, so Buendia got injured. I mean, Bailey spent most of the season, you know, sort of injured as well. If Watkins was to get injured, we've still got Ings. It's, you know, it's crazy the sort of depth we've got at the moment. Yeah, there's so much depth that you're actually going to be creating as well because with Matty Target, even for someone um, like me, I can't remember who your backup left-back would be. 
if you had anyone to really challenge him as well. And it's good to see that happen as well, because Axel Twinzabi has left uh, Aston Villa to go to Napoli on loan as well, which would be good for his development, because he wasn't really getting any game time or sufficient game time at Aston Villa under Steven Gerrard as well. So for me, it's good to see um, a bit of freshness in, in the January transfer window. It's not just Newcastle who are making these signings as well. So I just want to talk a bit more about Yves Basuma as well, because Basuma has been linked with Arsenal in the past, Liverpool in the past and Manchester United in the past. But it's looking like he's not really looking to leave this January. But do you reckon you could compete with the likes of, let's say, Arsenal or Man United in the summer if he was to leave uh, in the summer? Uh, yeah, I can't see why not. I mean, we're probably his best shout if he wants to get, you know, so good game time because that's the one position where we, you know, we are lacking, I would be honest. Um, I think he's a top quality player. I've seen him play, you know, he's not sort of old. I think it's 24, 25. Mm. So, I mean, he's got 18 months left on his deal and they're asking for about 40 million, 50 million pounds. But, you know, to be honest, I can't, I can't see them getting it because... Um, you know, maybe if there's a bit of a bidding war, it depends how desperate so we get. But I think if you give it like six months or something, and then it's the summer, and then you know he's got he's into his last twelve months, and it's going to be a, it's like we spoke about Rudiger that day, but you know the player having the power. But yeah, he's sort of away at the moment. But I think I just want to come back to something, and that was the sort of James Ward-Prowse deal that we were chasing in the summer. He would have been a great signing for us, but. We're sort of stacked in that kind of area in terms of midfielders. You know, you've got like Douglas Louise, who's like quite good in that advanced role. You've got Jacob Ramsey, who's been, you know, arguably one of our best players this season. He, you know, carries the ball like how sort of Jack used to. And then you've still got, you know, McGinn, you know, a solid performer since he's sort of come through the door. Uh, Sanson, who's just sort of, you know, come back from injury and he looks like a top, you know, he's a Champions League level player. Wolves wanted to pay like 40 million for him. I'm still eight. waiting to see more Morgan Sanson as well. He's, he's really good yeah. on football manager in FIFA and he was really good at Marseille it's just his lacking that opportunity um, because of injury at Aston Villa so far as well every game that he's sort of played this season he's been quality um, so it's just you know we've got options we've got the players now so in, in the end it worked out that we didn't get James Ward-Prowse either because the thing is everyone knows that we need that sort of tough tackling defensive mid which Nakamba was doing quite well at who, who wasn't even like you know a lot of players didn't even rate Nakamba before Gerard came in mm-hmm. I was I rated him but I just I thought he wasn't, you know, complete enough for the role. But since Gerard's come in, he's transformed him and he's, you know, showed his quality. Given him but yeah, some midfield information I mean, there as well. I think we should go in for Bisuma around 30, 35 mil and, you know, see what happens and give him a five-year deal. That's that's the best way I'd, I'd, I'd go about it. Yeah, and it's, it's someone that um, I think Graham Potter has recently said is not looking at going anywhere. So it's just the fact that if you were to be the club to test the waters, other clubs could come out in January and think, you know what, we may need to sign someone as well because um, at the moment, who have we got? We've got uh, Newcastle looking for Diego Carlos and we're looking at, um, obviously, the free agents of Rudiger potentially going out as well. But it's more mm. or less like Aston Villa are the ones kind of doing the shopping because with Man United, there's all there's always all these rumours of, oh, yeah, we're going to get someone, we're going to look in for someone, nothing's happened and nothing will happen in January. I don't believe I'm going to go into February with any new plays of any significance coming into that first team for Man United and especially after that game um, in the FA Cup it, it was clear to see that we needed um, some new fresh faces because that team is just lacking in confidence lacking in drive lacking in commitment when we're playing against um, teams like Aston Villa and Wolverhampton Wanderers who were dominating us on our own patch as well but just to finish off on Aston Villa with Steven Gerrard um, obviously he's out of the FA Cup Aston Villa out of the FA Cup 
does this give him a lot more freedom to actually push forward now? I mean, El Ghazi's just gone out on loan to Aston Villa, but do you reckon he can get you into that top half of the table by March and hopefully into that conference yeah. place for around the end of season? Yeah, I can't see why not. I'll be honest, I was sad to see El Ghazi go out. I think, you know, he's been he's been terrific for the club. Uh, I feel like he's been a bit harshly treated in the Gerard because in his, in Stevie's first few games, like against Brighton, you know, he comes on and, you know, he sort of, at nil-nil and he sort of, you know, like turns the game around for us, like, you know, committing players and stuff. And then even against uh, Crystal Palace, he comes on and he plays a part in the goal. So I thought that was quite unfair. I've always rated El Ghazi. And um, if he just played more, he would have got more goals and assists. You know, he got double-figure goals last year and... I feel like he is sort of a confidence player, but I feel like he has quite a lot of potential. And, you know, he, saw, he reminds me of Ronaldo, just obviously not anywhere near as good. But he, he, the way he plays and, you know, the way he is on the pitch, it does remind me a lot of him. But I, I feel like he's been hard done by and sad to see him go. I mean, from, from so Bertrand Traore, Trezeguet, El Ghazi, I mean, the one that I'd really keep would have been uh, probably El Ghazi, then Traore, then Trezeguet. But hmm. that's it, considering like Trezeguet and Traore are sort of out at the African Cup of Nations as well at the moment. I don't know how many games... And Bissouma as well. So that's probably why he hasn't really focused much on any January transfer just yet as well. So, no. But yeah, I mean, maybe we could have kept El Ghazi till the end of the month at least. But, you know, fair enough. The deal's done now and, you know, nothing we can do now. Yeah, definitely. And just, uh, there's just one player I want to talk to you guys about, um, to listeners about. It's about uh, Dennis Zachariah, who we mentioned last week was one of the free agents that we could be looking at as well. And, uh, the player that uh, Ralph Ragnick apparently admires um, from Borussia Mönchengladbach is a holding midfielder. Uh, it's the Swiss international. He's played 15 times a season. Uh, he can also play as a centre-back, but he's mostly a centre-defensive mid, scored two goals and one assist already this season. But realistically speaking, there's uh, Mönchengladbach saying, oh yeah, you could get him for around five, six million if, you, if we don't want to leave him on a free. If you're looking at an alternative holding midfielder, Football manager-wise, everyone's kind of thinking this looks like a pretty good deal. But what I'm looking at from Man United's point of view is why would you not want to go out and go and get someone just like this person? Because he's someone that I believe could actually adapt properly to the Premier League straight away. He's someone who I believe would actually improve our holding midfield. He's someone who I believe would actually um, be the right person for a Ralph Bregnick uh, pressing type of team as well. Him and McTominay, him and Midfred, it would be a vast improvement on what we already have. But what I'm thinking is I know there's a lot of players going out of contracts and people want to go for them in free transfers in the summer, like we mentioned last week. But why not put in a cheeky bit of like five, six million pounds if you can test the waters? Because I feel like that's what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks before um, the transfer windows have gone. But um, Salim, what do you reckon that, um, that could happen? Do you reckon you could, have, you could see more yeah. teams kind of I, doing I, that same kind of thing? I, I, for me, like I'd, I'd, I'd love for us to sign him, if anything. Um I think he's, you know, six million is it's a bargain, you know, for that sort of quality of player. I mean, he might sort of demand a little bit more in wages considering, you know, the saving that you're getting. But it's a big deal. It's not a big deal that, to be honest. And, you know, I'd, I'd be all over it as, like, you know, it's either him or Bissouma at the moment from where I stand. But yeah, six million, I think United should be, you know, all over it. That's the, you know, defensive mid is, you know, a position where I think United could definitely strengthen and it would really help them push on because you're thinking Declan Rice is going to be about 100 mil or something, maybe 80 mil. And, you know, this guy's six million pound and, you know, he's sort of a proven quality in the Bundesliga too. Yeah. He's been doing that for a number of years. We've seen him in the Champions League as well. We've seen him at the Euros for um, Switzerland. We saw them in the World Cup a couple of years ago for Switzerland as well. That's I'm just thinking he's a proven international Proven Bundesliga player for someone who's six million pounds, 
instead of being a bit stingy and waiting for the summer to try and get him on a free transfer, why not go in for some someone like him now and um, kind of just secure it in a way? That's what, mm. I, that's what I would like to see. And I think uh, Dennis Sakurai, with the ball carries that he can do, with the tackling and the interceptions he can offer, as opposed to, like you said, spending 50 million on Basuma, 100 million on Rice, uh, whatever, if you're looking at Bellingham or something like that. But how I'm seeing it is there's so much more that these cheaper players who are out of a contract would be would be looking at doing. But at this moment in time, um, there have been no concrete offers from anyone. No one's really looking at him. Borussia Dortmund may end up um, putting a cheeky keep it in against Mucin Gladbach as well. But there's conversations going. It could be something that we should be looking out for um, at the end of the at the end of the transfer window. But I think it'd be someone that six million quid in this day and age, just like we said, would be a bargain as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, but no, we'll go on to the Premier League preview now. So that will be absolutely fine from me. Hello, welcome to our Premier League preview for the week ahead. It's going to be um, a fantastic week of football that we've got ahead for us um, going forward. So we've got Adil and we've got Sean from Away Games Podcast. And Yo. they're here to help us out with who's going to win on the weekend and who's going to lose on the weekend because it's one of the biggest weekends I've seen for a while in the Premier League um, this season. Mm-hmm. So um, Adil, Sean, uh, first of all, Adil, how are you doing? Sean, how are you doing? You both doing okay? Yeah, good. Very well. Good, bad. Very well, very well, thank you. Very well, good. You're better than Adil. Adil had corona, so I'm, I'm baiting yeah, out to all I'm, of our listeners. I'm still recovering. I'm still recovering. I had corona, but I, I came off of it last week. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. My, my, mine was like, I had it for like, what, 12, 13 days? I only came wow. out of the house Friday. <laughs> wow. That's a long time. Yeah, it hit me heavy. Like, hit oh. me really hard. Good day, you're good day. Yeah, yeah, I'm slowly getting back to normal, yeah. but it's slow. Yeah, you, he was meant to come with me to uh, Man United versus Wolves, and he said he had yeah. Corona, but he, he secretly knew we were going to lose to Wolves, so he's going to make the journey <laughs> journey to Manchester. Um, I texted him the day I got COVID as well. He's like, I've got COVID, I can't come. COVID. Nah, COVID. All, main thing is everyone's healthy and everything's everyone's well after these last couple of weeks that we've had. Um, yeah. But no. Into discussions because I'm looking forward to it. There's a lot of players that have gone off to African Cup of Nations. It's been a fantastic yeah. tournament for that so far. Um, but I just wanted to discuss how important this weekend um, coming up in the Premier League is because it's going to be the 15th of January when the games kick off. And we've got quite a lot of big games to go through. So Man City versus Chelsea, uh, potential title decider in there as well. Uh, Aston Villa versus Man United in terms of how can uh, Man United actually push forward from this. And we've got Spurs versus Arsenal, the North London derby at the end. So Sean, obviously being an Arsenal fan, I needed to get your opinion on this because um, there's so much we have to talk about Arsenal, especially over the weekend that we've just had. But we'll get to that yeah. later on. We, we won't start cool. with the bad things. But first things first, Manchester City versus Chelsea. I'm looking forward to this game. 12.30 kickoff and Man City are playing at home and they're playing some of the most amazing football, unfortunately, I've, I've ever seen in this Premier League um, competition in, in my life. And it's quite worrying to see how they're not looking at slowing down anytime soon. Uh, Sean, how do you how do you see this Man City side going um, going forward and going against this Chelsea team? Because I really think that Pep Guardiola can take down this Thomas Tuchel side, and I think he's found um, a way of getting the best out of all of these players. Whoever's playing in the starting eleven, they're all doing pretty well. So, how do you see yeah. Man City going uh, going into this game against Chelsea? Um, first of all, I just want to, with Man City. One thing I've kind of always said about them is <clears throat> is the best thing that Pep ever did with Man City was not to buy stars is every single Man City player is not a big name. 
there's, there's they don't have that. Kevin De Bruyne got big at Man City. If that makes sense. He was never big before he got there. He got bigger at Man City. They didn't sign, for example, I'll take Chelsea and say Havertz or Lukaku. Yeah. There's no big name signing like that. Everybody came in, standard players, and he's just elevated them to, to a different level. So I think that's why you see in Man City, competition for places is very high because it's not the kind of thing where it's like, well, if I don't perform, I'm still playing next week. There's none of that in Man City. Somebody's on your neck, really take your position, and they're performing as well. So that's the, the main difference that I think is going to be there between this Chelsea and, and Man City team. Second of all, after we played them, and some of the best football I've ever seen in my life, they still got the win because they know how to win. They just know how to. And their desire for this title, knowing especially that if they beat Chelsea, they've knocked them out of the title race, they'll do it. They will do it with ease. So, yeah, that's what I think about it. I think it will be a fantastic battle. Um, the, the, yeah. the fullbacks, especially the way I'm looking at this game going forward with Reese James on one side. Uh, who's injured, so it's going to have to be yeah. Aspilicueta or Hudson-Odoi playing a, as that win-back as well. And then you've got Marcus Alonso, because again, Chilwell's injured as well, so if it was a fully fit side with Reese James and Chilwell starting, it would have been fantastic to see, but it's going to be even better to see how this this makeshift defence for, uh, for Chelsea do against the likes of, um, well, I can't say Mares because Mares is at the African Cup of Nations, so it's going to have to be someone like Foden or Bernardo Silva on that right-hand side as well. Sterling. Sterling even. Um, Jack Greenish maybe coming on from the left as well. Even Cole Palmer could get a start in this team, the way that he's playing, especially against um, Swindon in the FA Cup as well. Adil, how do you see Chelsea going in this game against Manchester City? Do you reckon they have anything up their sleeves? Again, with a couple of players missing from AFCON, the biggest notable one for me um, is Edouard Mendy. The fact that they're going to be starting with Kepper and goal um, because Mendy's obviously at the end. They've kind of gone off a cliff after they played Man United. It's like they've had so many draws and I think they've had a few losses in there. But they lost they their rhythm. Have, yeah, they haven't really played the same kind of football they were playing before that Man United game. And then there was that player power issue with Romelu Lukaku as well. Yeah, that, yeah. we have to discuss. Yeah, yeah, no. So that, I think. God, sorry. I said they just they don't look the same as they did, you know, as when the season started. First, what was it, twelve, thirteen game? Mm. Mm. I think that after that, just it's just gone downhill. I think. Tuchel looks a bit lost as well. <laughs> yeah, he's always looking for the next excuse every now and then. Him and Jurgen Klopp love to make excuses. Yeah. Um, Sean, Sean, what were you going to say? You were going to say something? I was going to say, I remember one time just reading something that said that Tuchel hasn't actually improved any of the players. Mm-hmm. He's just had some very decent players. And the issue with that, not being able to improve players, is if we're looking at back at Frank Lampard, we're starting to realise that it was genuinely just tactics are not the case that the manager is any better in terms of being able to improve and bring the players to a better place he's just tactically better and unfortunately now I think Tuchel's tactics have been found out and yeah. he's just struggling to adjust he he doesn't have any other way to play with the players that he's got he can't think of new new ways in which okay let me maybe go to a back four let me try this let me do that he seems very tactically lost right now is that he found something it worked and he stuck with it and now it's like okay think about something new because you've been found out and he just can't get out of his his the habit. That's exact. That's a good. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it as well, Sean. Because I'm looking at it thinking, is he too? Uh, what's the not? Is he too scared to try a new tactic this this mm. uh, this way into the season, halfway through the season, looking at a back four perhaps? Because he did play that way under uh, Borussia Dortmund, and he did play with a back four and with an attacker three at PSG. 
which mm-hmm. led to a Champions League final uh, for PSG as well. But it's, it's, it's right what you're saying, because you're looking at someone like Christian Pulisic, and if you're looking at how he's playing him, playing him as a right forward, as a left forward, as a right wing back, as a left wing back, making him a utility player and making him trying to trap back. And uh, even looking at the game against Brighton, when they really should have finished them off earlier in the, in the game, it wasn't convincing. And especially they got found out at the end by that late header by Danny Welbeck. And it kind of shows that Thomas Tuchel really has more to, to uh, more to step up to his plate now. I know he's won the Champions League. He's done pretty well for them so far. But this is a Roman Abramovich Chelsea side. And you know what happens if they don't win anything by the end of the season. He's done out here and it's gone. Yeah. Uh, but how do you guys see this game going? I see Manchester City winning three goals to one at home against Chelsea. I think it'll be a routine win for Pep Guardiola. And unfortunately, I think they're going to be the ones that will um, storm to this title by probably the end of April, by May. Because I thought originally at the beginning of the season, Chelsea would win the league with the likes of Romelu Lukaku coming in being that missing piece of the puzzle. But he's clearly not turned up to the party yet. I mean, maybe in an FA Cup game or a League Cup game, but not so much in the Premier League. How do you guys see this? In um, Lukaku is still in Inter. Um, mm. I just, I, I see, I see a 3 now, 3 or 4 now. I think Man City are going to use Chelsea as an example that they're not to be messed with. Um, I think the only team that can truly compete with Man City at the moment is Liverpool. Yeah. And I, I think we are genuinely seeing the golfing class between Chelsea, Liverpool and everybody else because everybody still has that idea that Chelsea's at this higher level. And I've actually recently realised is that I think everybody feared them because of the run that they're on mm. because all of a sudden, Mendy's no longer keeping clean sheets. And it's like they've just, it's like something just happened and it's, it happened overnight. It's the only thing that we can say, oh, it gradually went downhill. It's just like one day they were doing well, the next day we're like, wait, what's happened? Mendy hasn't kept a clean sheet in three games. Chelsea haven't, have, have joined the last two games. It's, it, it's just happened. So I think Man City win. I know what it was. It was when Michael Carrick took charge of Manchester United as an interim, <laughs> interim manager and Jordan Sancho <laughs> and Rashford were up front. Sancho's put that goal. Sancho danced over Mendy and you score past him and Mendy hadn't been the same. <laughs> so haunted by him. Um, Ada, how do you see this game going? Do you reckon it'll be a Man City routine win, as we've both kind of said, or do you reckon it'll be a surprise from Chelsea? I see City winning, but I don't know, maybe Tuchel's got a few tricks up his sleeve. I mean, he did come out on top many times last season. I mean, what, he beat, him, he beat final. three times or four times last season. Yeah, it's three times. Was, Something like that, yeah. Yeah, league, FA Cup, and Champions League final. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past Chelsea by having something up their sleeve. Mm. But I'm gonna go with City. <clears throat> two-one City. I think. Two-one City. Nicely done. Uh, next game we've got is Burnley versus Leicester, and surprisingly, Newcastle have looked to bid twenty-eight million pounds on Chris Wood. I think they um, bought it twenty million. Has it been confirmed? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that's crazy, that is. And that's, 20 million, that's, not 28. 20, 20 million. 20, 20 million, yeah. Must have uh, misread that earlier. But that was quite crazy to see how Newcastle, with all the money they have, all the strikers they could go for, to replace Callum Wilson, who's injured, they go for Chris Wood. So that's going to be a big loss for Burnley on Saturday coming up as well. Mm-hmm. But Leicester are just riddled with injuries all the time. And it's quite worrying how ever since they sacked their head, of, uh, their head physio a couple of years ago, their fitness and their injuries for their players have just gone downhill, especially when they moved mm-hmm. into their new um, training centre as well, their multi-million pound training centre as well. But I think this should still be a win for Leicester. I think Leicester should really win against this Burnley side. Burnley haven't really been 
threatening much this season. They haven't really been much of a challenge this season either. Mm. Um, I'd like to see more from James Madison going forward as well because, again, I think this should be the season where he pushes on and probably be in his final year at Leicester, looking to move to a bigger and better club if possible. Mm. Um, it's just one of those things that you want to see more from him and him should he should really be pushing for that England place. I know there's Mount, there's Foden, there's Grealish ahead of him, maybe poss- possibly Lingard and Smith-Rowe even waiting in the rings. But Madison, with the, te- uh, the talent he has, the techers that he has, he really needs to be doing further, um, do, doing more in this team. Adam, you're from Leicester. How do you see Leicester doing against Burnley? They should win. But I think it's like, nobody really talks about how many injuries Leicester actually have. So they've got like 10 players or 11 players. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, on the injury table, I think Fardy's injured. They've got all the defenders injured. Fafana's been injured since last season. A couple of players at AFCON as well. Uh, yeah. Fletcher, so, yeah. Nacho scored Inacho. the winner against uh, Egypt today. Great goal. Nampali Smendi as well. AFCON. Uh, there's a few others. Wilfred and Didi, maybe. But I think they have enough less to mm. do. Burnley don't really, they haven't been really showing much to, to yeah. show that they're capable of winning. Plus losing Chris Wood to Newcastle, it takes away some of their goals. Yeah, it takes a different dimension yeah. out of them as well. Yeah. Sean, tell me about Burnley. I know you're an Arsenal fan, uh, but I, I want you to tell me about Burnley. Do you reckon they have enough to survive yeah. from relegation this season? I think this is the first game Burnley are going to win. Really? Um, <laughs> Especially because of I forgot his name. Uh, Aaron Lennon. No, no, the who's, other guy. From who's the Cor- other guy? The one that took the, the free kick. No. Oh, Corne. 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 Yeah, Corne. The, the the former Leon player. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he. I think he's class. I don't know how he ended up at Burnley. Um, that's just incredible to see that. But um, I think Leicester and Brendan Rodgers are in a bit of a up and down, and we've all seen. We've all seen it that they have their games and they have their bad games. And the one thing about a Sean Dyche team is that they don't give up on Sean Dyche. Like, Burnley is very much Sean Dyche's team. And so, therefore, if you're choosing to give up on Sean Dyche, you're going to leave the club before Sean Dyche leaves that club. Mm-hmm. So, they will end up just backing it. And I think this game against Leicester is probably their best opportunity, especially because they're at home as well. They're at home, are they? Yeah, Burnley yeah. are at home. Um, again, with Maxwell Corne, he's another player that's at AFCON as well with, with the Ivory Coast as well. So he's going to be there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Never mind, I'll go back, go back. Leicester win, Leicester win. Leicester win. Leicester win, yeah, yeah. Nah, it's going to be Brexit Burnley. It's back yeah. to good old-fashioned Brexit Burnley. <laughs> they're, they're good old Burnley. Yeah, no, nah, Leicester win 2-0. 2-3-0. <laughs> 2-3-0. But yeah. no, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to um, seeing how Burnley do because for me personally, I don't, really, I, per- I don't really like Burnley, but they are a breath of fresh air you kind of need in the Premier League because they're, they're a good old-fashioned English team, 4-4-2. They'll, they'll cause the odd, odd upset every now and then. It's good to kind of see mm. that. Sometimes it's against Man United where you don't really want to see that, but they do cause an odd upset every now and then. It happens to us too. It definitely <laughs> happens at Turf Moor as well, which is the annoying thing. Um, next thing we've got, Newcastle versus Watford. So Newcastle... Um, that was that was brilliant. That was so good. You know, on the weekend when we lost to Cambridge in the FA Cup, <laughs> oh my days! I, I was I was at work, but I was so gassed. I was just there, like you know what? Newcastle losing to Cambridge at home. Trippier started as well. After Kieran Trippier started, <laughs> I'm just there, like they can sign whoever they want, and they're still losing <laughs> to Cambridge. That was brilliant. I I adored um, that, and that's the that's the love of the FA Cup that we have as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're up, uh, they're up against uh, Claudio Ranieri's side, um, Watford. I think they're missing Ismaili Sarr through African Cup Nations. And Dennis didn't go. I'm not sure if De- uh, Dennis had that issue, no. didn't he? 
where yeah, he they didn't, didn't go. Club and country. They didn't let him go. That was it. Yeah. Which is crazy. I, I, I don't really like that. You know how people... There was someone upon... else they didn't let go as well. Was it their defender, the centre-back? Um, yeah, it was so. For some reason, I think it was Ismail Asar. Was it Ismail Asar think... or was it Ekong? Truce to Kong. I think it was Ismail Asar because I think they said they faked an injury. They faked an injury for him. Yeah. <laughs> Poor <laughs> Watford, man. Yeah. They, should, they should deserve to lose after that. But no... Um, uh, Watford are just that club on. Yeah. They're yeah. just that other team in the Premier League that they just want to survive whatever way possible. Like turntable of players and managers one in, one out. It's crazy that way. But I, I still think it'll be like a 1-1 a, a game, a nil-nil game. Maybe it'll be a low-scoring draw, I think. Terrible Maybe. game. Yeah. The only one that you want to really look out for, um, obviously, if he's playing, is St. Maximum. And if he does play, it's um, Dennis and Josh King. Because you only want to look out for the attacking talents. There's no one really in this midfield for either of these sides. Joe Linton. Joe Linton. Joel Linton, Joe Linton. Box, box midfielder. He's, <laughs> he's actually... Was it against you guys? Yeah, it was. Yeah. That's when yeah. he got the plaudits. Yeah. When he, he turned into like prime Zidane. He basically turned yeah. into Joe Willock from last season. But Joe <laughs> Willock can't even do that for Newcastle this season. There you go. When he's playing as that attacking midfielder. But it's good to Best. see... It's good to see this happening. But I still think Newcastle would get relegated. I don't think they're going to do They want well. another striker, Pali. Not just Chris Wood. They want one more. They want yeah, Erling. They want. They want. If they take Obama Yang and, and Chris Wood up, that'll be. That'll be. They what they should do is they should just go to all of the clubs who are like who don't you want go to get yeah. Delhi Ali, Tangu Ndombele, Jesse Lingard, yeah. Anthony Marshall, Obama Yang, get all of these overpriced, expensive <laughs> wage pe- uh, people with high expectations. Uh, take, take them all because they can afford it. <laughs> brilliant, but now nah, I think it'll be a bored draw. It'll be a boring Ben Foster vlog to watch. Um, the Monday yeah. coming after that as well. Sean, how do you see Newcastle going? Do you reckon you'll agree with me in terms of they're looking to go down um, to the yeah. championship or do you reckon they could actually survive? No, I think whoever they get, <clears throat> um, I think it was the wrong management appointment. Mm. Um, I I think Eddie Howe does have potential, mm-hmm. but I think he has more potential. If we're going to talk about a big club, I would say he would suit more of an Arsenal-Liverpool kind of vibe. The kind of teams that allow you to build and grow kind of thing. Because I think he has potential to be somebody like Brendan Rodgers. I think and if you remember, sorry, since I think he would have been very good at Wolves. Yeah, but he'd be good at a team with patience. That's exactly. what he needs. Definitely, he can't. Newcastle right now, they're trying to do the most the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. So what's going to happen is he's just getting chucked players at the moment, mm. and they're going to get relegated because they're going to be players that he doesn't want. Kind of weirdly, a Man United situation where you just walk in and you find a player there and it's like, yeah, you've got to deal with him and you're just like, I don't even know where he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what his issue is, is that he's just at a club where they're not really asking him what he wants. They're just giving him whatever they feel they need. And then to make matters worse is I don't think he is that kind of manager to just be throwing money at. Yeah, He's a manager that needs players that are going to defend him, back him. If you remember that Bournemouth team that he managed, mm. they had his back. They defended him until the last day. And the signings he brought in as well, they defended him, they worked for him yeah. tirelessly. Yeah. That's what he needs. He doesn't just need, for example, for Newcastle to say, okay, here's Ronaldo, Messi and Neymar, win us the league. It, he's not that manager. He couldn't do that. Mm. Different types of personalities work for different yeah. types of people as well, so it makes complete sense as well. Um, no, that's fair enough. Ada, just talk to us about Watford. Um, do you reckon they have what it takes to actually move forward in this league or do you reckon they'll be just around the bottom half just being that that minimalist club? Yeah, they're that kind of team that just linger around the bottom half, you know, fighting 
fighting relegation. Mm. Yeah, I don't see much from them this season. I don't they... see them doing anything threatening. I think they had their one good season, was it a few years ago? Yeah, when they had mm. uh, Troy Dini and Igala. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the, that the, was their the one couple good seasons, season. couple seasons after when they got to the FA Cup final as well. Yeah, and then they sacked their manager. I don't, can't remember who was in charge then, but they sacked him for no reason. They just sack all of them, don't they? Like one season after yeah. another. There's that no time they, they sacked five in a season. Makes no yeah. sense. They were doing so Watford, good. I remember that season. They were doing so good, but they just sacked him. They had a decent Watford. team as well. What if I take that Chelsea? That's true. <laughs> they, they've got that. They got that vibe about them, which is yeah. Great. yeah oh, Even with the manager like Ranieri in charge, I don't see him doing much. Unfortunately, nah. he's not, not going to win Watford the league. Yeah. You can quote me Do on you know that. What? What's crazy is Ragnari's actually never been that good. It was just that Leicester, that one season with Leicester, he did an impressive thing, but he's never really been that kind of manager. He's to me, he's always been like a sorry kind of manager. What's a sorry type of manager? Italian. No, is that you they seem good. They're not Conte. Mm. They seem good, but they're really actually not really that good. Because even in Sari's time at Chelsea, he only won the Europa League against a pretty rubbish Arsenal. Still won something. He did. He did. In, his, mean, in his only season as well. And yeah, he, won the I mean, with, he won the league with Juventus as well in that one season. Yeah. Then got sacked. Then he got sacked. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's Juventus, isn't it? Allegri's not doing that well yeah. with them as well, which is crazy. Uh, but uh, moving on, uh, Norwich versus Everton, probably the easiest preview that we have. Everton should walk all over this Norwich side. Dean Smith has is, is tried some things with this Norwich side, playing with some players here and there. But realistically speaking, I think it'll be like a 1-0, one, 2-1 one type win for Everton. Uh, Everton scraped past Hull Saturday night in the FA Cup and it was good to see how um, the FA Cup is still alive in terms of like the, even with the extra time and the penalties it was such a good thing to watch on the weekend but Everton didn't let it go to penalties they just won in extra time which is pretty good um, what do you guys think we'll go for a quick prediction Adil Norwich or Everton who's going to win see Everton winning might be a draw could be a draw <laughs> Dean Smith could pull one out of the bag Sean, what do you think? Everton aren't doing too well themselves. Yeah. They're not exactly lighting. Just, for a draw. You were just kind of looking at it thinking, who else is doing worse than Everton at this moment? Norwich. Norwich. And that's, that's it. it. On form, <laughs> Norwich. Performance-wise, <laughs> performance Man United aren't doing too great. Southampton aren't doing too great. But in terms of form, Norwich. Besides yeah. Everton. Mm. And no, Everton had he, their game cancelled today as well. Um, yeah. Against yeah. Leicester. COVID. Benitez ain't... I don't know. He's not getting anything out of the players for some reason. Everton he's a good like, he's, Yeah. Like, he's not getting anything out of them. It's kind of like with Man United, isn't it, Sean? When you've got loads of managers coming in every couple of years trying to turn this project around for Everton, spend a lot yeah. of money, it doesn't work in their favour, and they just move yeah. on to the next one. It's a repeat yeah. cycle. Yeah. It's, it's a terrible, it, terrible cycle. And I, that's why, for me, I think it's going to be a draw because I don't think Rafa Benitez is that manager again. Mm. Um, I, think a lot, I think a lot of managers are living off of their names now in this current climate um, mm. and they're not they it's weird because you think a manager should be able to just do it because they've done it before but nah for me Rafa Benitez nah but Everton they, I don't think he's got the right players to do anything at Everton as well to me Dean Smith is the better manager to me Dean Smith is the better manager than Rafa Benitez at the current time at this current time because it's literally just like you said as well some people are just uh, using their reputation but English football evolves year in, year out. And Dean yeah. Smith has been in English football for a lot longer recently than uh, Rafa Benitez has as well. Trying to use old tactics in a game that's evolved the Premier League. Mm. 
It's like Mourinho in his second or third season, no, in his first third season with Man United, he just didn't yeah. go well when he went back to his basics. And he did that with Spurs again, and it didn't work in his favour as well. And just got rid of him. Nuno Espirito Santo took the same tactics he had from Wolves and went to Tottenham. Didn't work for him. They got rid of him. Simple as that. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Um, but yeah, moving on. Wolverhampton Wanderers versus Southampton. I'm looking forward to uh, another boring game because Wolverhampton are a very boring team to watch. I know they beat <laughs> us convincingly at Old Trafford and probably should have won by four, but they didn't. They only won by one. Um, but realistically speaking, Southampton aren't really the most atta- uh, entertaining side either. Yeah. Roger has been pretty good. Livermento has been pretty good. Ward Prowse is always a, a name that you want to be looking out for as well. But I think it's going to be a 2-2 draw, maybe a 1-1 draw. I hope there'll be, there'll be more entertainment on match day to watch or on those YouTube highlights as well. Sean, talk to me about Southampton. What do you think about Ralph, uh, Ralph Hasselhoff at the moment? Do you reckon uh, actually, he's still got the credentials to be the Southampton manager or do you reckon there should be a change there? Um, I think there should be a change because I think Ralph Hasselhoff reminds me a lot of Dean Smith. Mm. Is I think he's also a really good manager, and I think he is what we are looking forward to seeing in the future when yeah. he's developed a lot more. But I think he now needs to move on. I think Southampton need a new project, a new direction because they've stuck with him for quite some time now. It's been about four seasons they've had in four or five seasons, and I think it's time for him to just finally make that decision. They they part their ways. Southampton get themselves a new manager. He goes to a new club, and that that be it because yeah, at the moment it's not going that well. And for me, he seems like an exciting manager. But I feel like the club's not really doing anything to make them more exciting because I can't even tell you who Southampton signed this year. Well, mm. Livermento and, and Broha, but there's a loans. Not really any permanent deals coming in for the club. It's more like, um, I hate to say this, Adil, as well, but it's more like Ralph Ragnick. Like, you know how you've got Ralph Ragnick coming in from the RB, um, the RB clubs and just like with... Yeah. Um, Hasenhutl did come, come in from the Bundesliga as well. They played really good football in the Bundesliga, but yeah. it took a while for them to settle. They didn't really translate it well, unfortunately, on the pitch. And um, they had, like, Ralph Hasenhutl is, I think, you know how you, how you have confidence players? I think Ralph Hasenhutl is a confidence manager. He's yeah. a confidence manager where he has to have a couple of good games on his belt for his team to be performing as well as it can be. And that's very un German like um, from what I've seen recently as well. Because I'm looking at it thinking he's held a couple of 9-1s recently in the past as well. He hasn't really progressed further with Southampton. <coughs> the signings that they've made and the, the players that they've had. Adam Armstrong, they spent, they spent 17, 18 million on him from Blackburn. He hasn't really delivered. Broja, again, coming from Chelsea, has been their, their main attraction from what we've seen as well. Redmond's still at the club. Walcott's still there. And sure, we've discussed Vio Walcott and his past before as well. Not really the best mm. assignments for them to have. No. Um, haven't really replaced Danny Ings from what they had last season. It shows the golfing class from having a goal scorer like Danny Ings, who's still not doing that well at Aston Villa, still riddled with injuries, to not really having someone to keep them going in the top 10 um, yeah. throughout the season. But I think it will be a 2 2 draw for Southampton. Yeah. I think just a boring game, 0 0 for me as a prediction. No, no, for sure. Yeah. I would talk to us about Wolverhampton Wanderers. Ruben Neves, I spoke about on last week's podcast about him being a pretty decent player. But how do you think um, Jose Sal will do uh, for the rest of the season, their new goalkeeper? He replaced he's Ruben. good. I like I like the look of him. He's a really... I don't know. It's like... They would... You know, they had Ray Patricia in goal. It's like, who would they get to replace him? Mm. But I think they have got someone who... Maybe he looks like he's a better keeper than Rui Patricio. Yeah. There's Some more of the, on it. You know, the shots, shot stopping and... Reflexes. A lot more, yeah, the reflexes, you know, 
He looks a lot more commanding than Rupert Schuller. Yeah, he's, he's settled in really well, which is good to see. And there's yeah. a signing from uh, Bruno Large as well, which is which is good to see. Uh, what's yeah. your prediction for the game? Wolves versus Southampton. I see one nil to Wolves. One nil to Wolves. Nicely yeah. done. Wolves now, just Monday. Yeah, but they're they're the one of those teams that will just scrape a win. Um, but no, biggest game of the weekend, obviously, Sean. It's um Aston Villa versus Man United. <laughs> I'll get I'll get to your game in a bit. Don't worry. But uh, Man United played Aston Villa in the FA Cup on Monday. It, I went to the game. It was one of the best games I've ever seen Aston Villa play. Man United are just Man United at this moment in time, and they're lacking confidence. They're lacking fitness. They're lacking drive. They're lacking commitment. And just not very good. They're giving 76,000 people in Manchester anxiety and millions around the world just by watching them play because they can't pass COVID, let alone pass a ball, which is awful. And it's, I've never I've never left a game uh, ranting after we've won. So I was literally just ranting to my sister as we were leaving. I'm saying like, this game was awful. We were tragic. We were we just looked like a broken team. Marcus Rashford looks like a broken player. The he first time... See First time I've ever seen Marcus Rashford walk off the pitch and the crowd were, the crowd was sarcastically applauding him to get off the pitch because he was woeful, man. And yeah. I'm not even I'm not even going to back him on this one because uh, Ralph Ragnick changed the system, to be fair. He made it more of a 4-2-3-1. Uh, Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa, they played narrow, so they played the 4-3-2-1. So Buendia and Watkins, they tuck in, so they're not proper wingers. So as Luke Shaw and Dallow had the freedom to go up the pitch, Marcus Rashford had the freedom just to go at Matty Cash, Matty Cash, Matty Cash the whole time. He didn't have to worry about tracking back in field or anything like that. Same with Mason Greenwood. But Mason Greenwood has been found out recently as being a very selfish uh, winger, yeah. a very selfish young player, always looking for those kind of highlight real type goals as well, um, which is quite sad to see. But with Marcus Rashford, the way that he was playing yesterday, it was abysmal, man. And it's not like he was lacking uh, confidence and fitness and focus. He was just lacking everything. Nothing turned out well for him. He tried a couple of stepovers, a couple of um, skills that he would do. I just feel like he's lost that bounce of his, unfortunately. And I don't, I'm not going to blame it on the manager because I feel like with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he gave Rashford the freedom to do whatever he wanted to do. Because we saw what it was like before Solskjaer under Jose Mourinho, when they'd have to trap back and sit back a bit and have a different starting position. But Marcus Rashford under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he thrived. But he also didn't deliver um, this season for... Oligo Solskjaer when he came back from his from his injury as well. But Adil, I just want to talk to you more about uh, Man United's defence, realistically speaking, because we talked about our midfield, we talked about our attack. Uh, just talk to me about what, what kind of partnership do you think would be better mm-hmm. or our back four should be, should be um, against Aston Villa? Because I think Lindelof and Rand is probably the most comfortable I've seen this season. And sure, yeah, they and look, are pretty, pretty decent fullbacks. I thought they looked really good because it's like Maguire just shouldn't be anywhere around that, you know, anywhere near the starting 11, anywhere near the substitute bench. You know, he shouldn't even be considered. I'd put Phil Jones ahead of Harry Maguire. Mm-hmm. That's how awful Maguire looks to the minute. He just looks terrible. Shouldn't be captain. He comes out with these comments to say, oh, I'm the captain and I've said this. It's like what Roy Keane said. It's a load of rubbish. Mm. You need to see him put it on the pitch, which you... I haven't seen for a long time. You saw it in his first season a couple of times last season as well. It's like but... his passing is awful. His tackling is awful. His awareness is awful. His he doesn't know what all the time. His leadership's awful. He, you know, he's a tra- <laughs> He's a travesty of a Man United captain. Mm. Literally the worst captain that we've ever yeah. had. And that includes like players like Ashley Young or Antonio Valencia. 
Um, yeah. they, those players actually fought for the badge. They may have not have been the best of captains, yeah. but they fought for the badge. They, they showed, you know, they showed something. They but did. This, they like, didn't like, go online after a game and post their stats on their Instagram and saying, "Look how well I passed and defended compared to other <laughs> defenders," and which is what Maguire does. It just is abysmal. It's like Phil Jones showed in one game showed more than what Maguire showed the whole season. Mm. I, I remember Wolves. watching that game um, with Phil Jones, and I was just like, "Wow, Phil Jones!" Yeah. Even though you guys lost because it was against what um, Wolves, it mm. would it, he still was the one player. I said, "You know what? I can't even laugh at him today." No, yeah. Phil Jones jokes for a couple of days. It's like I've never seen Maguire charge down a ball like the way Phil Jones did. You know, he he doesn't he doesn't do anything, Maguire. But complain but to you, the referee. But you yeah. also know it's bad when United fans have won Phil Jones. That's when I know it's terrible over there. <laughs> that's that's what I told you before, and that's what I've said before on the podcast. That our season is just done. We're just it's done like, out here. Whenever Maguire plays, his partner or his left back partner they have to make up for what he does wrong and sometimes they'll just throw them out of the way like he does with yeah. Luke Shaw just pull them out of the way so he can get the clear no reason makes no sense uh but no okay. Sean talk to me about Aston Villa how do you see the Steven Gerrard side um lining up against Man United do you see anyone that can really uh, um finish they're going to destroy the you they're going to destroy you they destroyed they're us going. yesterday they, they just destroyed us yes. they just did finish their, their dinner Literally. I think I think this Sunday you're gonna see them. Is it Sunday or Saturday? Saturday Plus night. they've got they've got Coutinho as well. Starting. They've got Coutinho. It's now confirmed mm. that he's gonna start. Um, Gerard's got those guys ticking, and yeah, they're, they're just gonna finish you this weekend. Um, especially <laughs> after you not win the FA Cup the way you did. Mm-hmm. I expect nothing less, but Ben Villa maybe tune it up within the first twenty day minutes. Retaliation straight away. Retaliation, yeah, but yeah, they're they're gonna really want to just retaliate, and the fans behind them as well. Mm-hmm. It's going to be havoc, and I think this is going to be one game where all United fans are going to look at that club, look at the ownership, management, everything again. It's going to go back to that very toxic place for you guys, and I think this weekend might be that weekend where it begins to turn again. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a lot like that Watford game as well when you lost for a while. Yeah. But you're just there thinking like it literally can't be the manager because he puts the style of play he wants to put out. We've only seen it for, I'd say, 50 minutes of all of the games that he played. I'd say 10 minutes yesterday, that's, that's the 30 other minutes against Crystal that's, Palace. It's one thing that I don't get. It's like, he's an advocate of pressing. But where has it been apart from 40 minutes against Crystal Palace? Where has it gone? And 10 minutes yesterday, and then they just tire out. Yeah. I, I, was telling, I was telling my sister as well yesterday as we were leaving. Man, uh, Barcelona, once upon a time, under Pep Guardiola, they would press so much that the opposition team would be so tired Yeah, when they got the ball, they would be tired. Man <laughs> United pressed so much that when we get the ball and win the ball back, we tired. get tired. And then we just <laughs> give the ball back again. Then we press and we just, we just, just, just kicking the yeah. ball away and defeating it. It's like rugby union in a way, just kicking the, it away. The biggest, I think the biggest problem of that is, it's his midfield. Mm. He hasn't got a link between the defence and the attack. We haven't and replaced Michael Carrick in what, four yeah, or five and he years? he hasn't got midfielders who can keep up the tempo for the full 90 minutes, keep right. the ball for even 10 minutes. The two that he puts in midfield can't keep the ball for 10 minutes. McTominay and Fred, they're not ball players. They're not... I don't, I don't know what they do, to be honest. 
They're just two box to box players, yeah. literally. And then the two box box players playing as holding midfielders, which just doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, I mean, I did, they did well for the goal yesterday, but apart from that, they didn't show anything. Sean, who do you think, objectively speaking, would be a good ball play, uh, ball player midfielder for Man United to sign? Because last week I said Ruben Neves would be in a shout if he were if he were to get him, um, but that was just transfer rumors at the time. But I don't think he would make it. He would start for Chelsea, he wouldn't start for Liverpool and he wouldn't start for Man City. But I'm thinking, who would you think? Adel, you can join in as well. Who do you think ideally would be the one player we should sign in the summer? Oh, that's a good question. I think you should go for people like Basuma. As a ball player uh, midfielder or as a holding midfielder? Do you know the issue that you guys kind of need that, us, that I was happy to see Arsenal do mm. is we didn't sign any big names. You guys genuinely just need to go find somebody that I can actually play the ball. Yeah, forget his name, forget what he's done, what club he plays for, who is out there that can actually just pick up the ball and play it. Which is so key because the issue that I've had with United over the last couple of seasons is you guys, well, your ownership literally says who is worth who costs the most money at the moment, and you go buy him. Who's gonna make the most money? Who's gonna sell the most shirts? Yeah. He's going to tell For example, Bruno Fernandes was a good purchase because nobody really heard about him. Mm. And you can see he signed up because he cost you, what, 30 million? Not too expensive. There was no weight on his shoulders. It was, it was just him coming to play at Man United and he has balled out. Mm-hmm. And I thought, and I think that's the sad thing about United's ownership is that it seems like they're, they're getting there and then they take like seven steps backwards. So... I like how you said seven in, re- in reference to Cristiano Ronaldo right there. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's why I did it. <laughs> um, I would oh, say, if you're going to go for somebody, and again, obviously, unfortunately for United as well, you guys have a massive tax. Is that any player you go for, add 20 million on top of that. Automatically. So therefore, this is why I would, I would say you shouldn't go for Ruben Neves, mm-hmm. because I think one, he'll be too expensive, and two, once he gets there, that band is going to be too heavy for him. Yeah. Um, it's so difficult because, like I said, I think you need somebody that's not very well known. Somebody like Sab- Sabitzer. Sabitzer would be yeah. class, but he just recently moved to Bayern Munich as well. Yeah. Even even though he hasn't done well at Chelsea, I think somebody like Saul would be good for you guys. I've got a name to throw in the hat. It's going to be a long shot, but in the summer, Luka Modric is out of a contract at Real Madrid. Would you get him on a free no. agent? No. It's too old. Too, too old, old, but even for a season, just to bring the midfield back. Together. Uh, not, not in yeah. the Premier League. He's too yeah. old for it. United, United needs somebody that's going to come in and you're going to see a future with him. Because mm. you're going to have the same issue that you kind of have with Cavani. Is Cavani's getting on and he's still your best striker. That's a problem. You haven't <laughs> yet replaced. You haven't yet found somebody to come and take that mantle away from him, if you get what I mean. Exactly. So you're going to end up being in a situation where they're going to buy Luka Modric, you're going to have one great season and the players are going to say, oh, we've got Modric, we don't need nobody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the one reason why I say, no, don't get Modric. You need somebody 20 to 20, 22 to 24, somebody that's not, like I said, not well-known. I think that's going to be your best thing. Somebody that's not really well-known, who wants to come to United, who will fight for whoever the manager is, because we're about to change system at you guys, the club anyways. Mm-hmm. So but even when we Pochettino the thing is, need one. the thing is, don't you already think we already have that player sat on the bench every week? Donny van, van der Beek. Donny van der Beek. Nope. No. I'd, I'd like to think so, but it's just we haven't seen that enough from him. We like, haven't we seen have, anything. We, of, we haven't seen problem. that for like the last two years because in that we haven't seen anything. 
in that midfield in 2019 with Frankie de Jong and um, Tadic as that false nine as well, that's when we saw really good things from him. But yeah. if you have Donny van der Beek as, as the guy um, to, to come in and, and sit with, let's say, a McTominay or with a Fred, you're just you're just afraid of being overrun in that midfield. It's just how well can you control the ball and control the game? No, but I, th- I think they should have, instead of McTominay and Fred, they should go out and buy another defensive midfielder that's better than those two. Because those two really are not good enough. Like a yeah. Kessie or a Zachariah. Yeah, Kessie yeah. would be good for you guys. Or yeah. there was the other one that they were talking about, Amadou Haidara, whatever his name is. Haidara yeah. is an engine. He's an engine, yeah. but I haven't seen enough of him to make a judgment, so I'm not going to pretend like I know much. Or there was the other one from Marseille, um, Kamara. Oh, I love, Buba, another... I love Bubakar Kamara. He's another good one, mm. and people might not think it, but Dahoud from Dortmund. Yeah. Dahoud's Don't you think, though, that if we had one of... A player like that and Van der Beek in the midfield with them. Mm. It can only get better. That's De- all I'm saying. That's literally all I'm saying. I think, I think Van der Beek was, was a one-season wonder and you guys fell for the trick and went and bought him. Yeah, it's happened. We haven't happened. seen anything of him though. That's the problem. That's that's the issue. Because yeah, the but ideal placement seen. for me would have been Yuri Tillerman, but he's not going anywhere. Unless they will charge yeah. an arm and a leg for him, but he's not going anywhere at all. Yeah, and um, the thing with Van der Beek is you've also got to look at it, and this is what I kind of did as well with the Arsenal and the Mikelet situation, mm. why I've never actually spoken bad about him, is you've got to look at the players and say under two managers, they both haven't fancied him. That is true. It's like, yes, um, he, came, he came on as a sub and barely impacted the game. Got out yeah, like, what, what, what is he doing that he's not being impacted? And I think for Arsenal, the thing was when I saw Emery win that Europa League last season mm-hmm. against you guys, I knew he wasn't players. I knew it had nothing to do with the management. It was the players that were the problem. Inmates were running the asylum then as well, which is how it has yeah. happened at Man United, unfortunately. But um, it just goes to show that it wasn't Solskjaer that was a problem. The players. No. It was never Solskjaer because it was never Solskjaer. It was never Mourinho. And it was never yeah. Van Hal. It just shows that. Mm-hmm. Mourinho. Eh. Mourinho. It was Mourinho a little bit. It, it tends to be, but Mourinho has that old-fashioned mentality of I'm a manager, you do what I say or you go. But yeah. the board have, have always been like, oh, no, we don't want to upset our multi-million pound stars in, in Pogba and Lingard and Rashford and Alexis Sanchez who have just signed. So who do we? who's easier to get rid of? One manager mm. or a couple of players? Yeah. That's how it's kind of happened, unfortunately. But I think now it shows that social was never the problem. Mm. No. Poor guy got through under the bus. Um, yeah. But we're, we're moving on to brighter things in the Premier League. Well, not really bright, it's Liverpool. But Liverpool are at home to Brentford. And Liverpool are missing... Uh, Sadio Mane, uh, Mohamed Salah and Naby Keita in this midfield in this attack uh, against this Brentford side. So I still think Liverpool will win. I am appalled by Liverpool of what they did this week. Did you guys see what they did last week against Arsenal? That was yeah. a shot. That was appalling. <laughs> Only one COVID case and they ran away. One yeah. COVID case and they're like, now we've got like 10 or 11. Don't come near us after. They were all false positives. False positives. Yeah. It felt like Boris Johnson at that number 10 garden party. That's what it felt like. Exactly. It was, Apparently it was, the EFA, the EFA have chosen not to investigate it, which is annoying. Yeah. yeah. Such a bias there as well. It's insulting yeah. and they got away with murder. Because it's Jürgen Klopp. He's always moaning like a little baby. But yeah. Yeah. And COVID and vaccinations and... Too many games in the Premier League, not enough yeah. subs on the bench, all of that from Jürgen Klopp, yeah. which, is, which is annoying. He was to come over here and change the box you know the Christmas schedule and all of that Thomas wants to do the same <laughs> there's, there's no football heritage for Jurgen Klopp just yet just one <laughs> Premier League and that's it so far yeah um, and the Champions 
exactly just the Champions League, but he's not been here for the 10, 15 years. He hasn't really yeah. done much for the English game as as compared to other managers. I don't want to be taking out context, but there are other managers that have done more than him um, in yeah. the British game as well to be making judgments like that. But I'm appalled with what they did, Liverpool Football Club. That's a that's a below-the-belt thing because, Sean, you're an Arsenal fan. If you were playing them with their reserves and the players available to them last week, Thursday, you'd have clattered them 6-7-0. That would have been brilliant. You'd have been in the mm. final. It's Arsenal. You can never be too sure. <laughs> I would hope so, but it's you'd... Arsenal. You can never be too You can never be too After what I saw this night on Forest, it was humbling. The, a reminder that, of who we are. That that is that is a great definition of hope versus expectations, right there as well, yeah. which is crazy. But uh, back to the game: Liverpool versus Brentford. Do we see Brentford um, upsetting the Liverpool side, Sean? What do you think? Nah, um, Liverpool had a rest. Klopp got what he wanted. Got a little Christmas break. He got that um, winter break. He got that winter break. Um, yeah, Liverpool easy win. Easy win. I think Brentford will give them a game. I don't think as easy as we think, but I think. Liverpool when they go into that second gear because everybody thinks that because they don't have Salah and Mane they're going to just go downhill mm. but Minamoto is actually really good Yota's really good and Firmino still fantastic as he is so yeah but I don't think they're going to lose much Alive and kicking up front for them as yeah. well which would be good Adil how do you see this Brentford side challenging Liverpool because they've challenged Man City in the game that they've lost they've challenged Chelsea all the way to the 96th minute as well um, the challenge Arsenal obviously at the beginning of the season, as Sean yeah. has mentioned as well. How do you see Liverpool f- um, faring against Brentford side? Because Liverpool are at home, so Brentford will have to dig in away- on this away game. Yeah, um, Brentford away from home is a different prospect to Brentford at home, playing mm-hmm. the big teams at home. It's very different. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't really seen much from Brentford when they play away from home. They don't really, they aren't really the same team as when they play at home. Yeah, that's true. They don't really stand out, do they? Because whenever yeah. you see their highlights, it's always of their home games in their home kit. When they play at home, they're a different team. Different you know, animal. they push and they challenge the big teams. It's just the case for them but as well. Away from home, I don't really see them doing much. I think it's an easy, easy win for Liverpool. Yeah, I'll agree with you. Both think Liverpool got this in the bag anyway, which would yeah. be pretty good. Uh, a replay of the weekend game that we saw last week in the FA Cup. So West Ham versus Leeds. West Ham rolled over Leeds United at um, uh, the Olympic Stadium last week. At the tip of my tongue, I always say the bowling ground or Upson Park, so that's still something I have to get rid of. They've been out of that stadium for years now. But West Ham United should beat Leeds United again. I'm very impressed with West Ham, as I said on last week's podcast, yeah. the fact that they've got so much potential to move forward, potentially a uh, European Cup run as well in the Europa League as well. But, um, Sean, should we be scared of West Ham getting into that top four position or that top six position? Top six, definitely. Mm. Top four, they, I think they could do it. Um, but I think <clears throat> there is still competition for the top four. Um, I think one spot is harder. I think, I keep saying that Chelsea got to get dragged into the top four battle by accident. But I think um, top six, I actually see West Ham getting top six this season. Yeah. Um, top four, I think it's going to be a bit too much because I think they're going to get firm in the Europa League. Um, and I think that's also going to weigh on their league form because... The issue with them and the difference between teams like Man City and that is they don't have a good second team. Exactly. So it's their first team or bust. The so only I thing think... the second team did was beat Man United and Man City in the League Cup and then they lost to Spurs in that quarterfinal. Yeah. And then that was it really, unfortunately. Yeah. So, so no, I think they're, 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 they'll challenge top top six. Challenge for top four, but I think they'll finish in the top six. 
No, that's fair enough. That's okay. Adam, what about Leeds? What do you have to say about Leeds this season? Not really doing much under Bielsa. Quite, um, quite difficult for them in that second season syndrome in the Premier yeah. League as well. Mm. They've been a bit, well, yeah, they haven't really shown what they've what they showed last season. To be honest, they've had a couple of injuries and it's haunted them. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's a hard one to say with Leeds. It's like some game. Bielsa's has got this way of playing where he doesn't change his tactics. He sticks mm. to the same principles, same tactics. If it doesn't work, he will stick to it. And like, he'll get praise for it as well. So yeah, he doesn't change. Philosophy. He doesn't alter his style. And yeah. I think that is hindering Leeds as well. Mm-hmm. It has done. And they've got away with a couple of nice victories, nice couple of draws, a win here yeah. and there as well. Yeah. So they've they'll got be away safe. with it. They'll, I think they'll, 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 they will stay up. He needs to alter his style sometimes just yes. yeah. to what the game needs. Proper like, game management yeah. right there, yeah. not just my yeah. plan or no plan. Like you see them in some that. games, they'll play the same way, but then just just, just get torn apart. Hmm. We've it's seen like, coaches do that as well. Um, I think Arsenal had that under Arsene Wenger. We've had that under Louis van Gaal. We've seen that in the past in terms of like when the game, it's like a home game against like a lower league, uh, lower table side, and you've got whole, two holding midfielders in. You don't need yeah. to do that just because it's your philosophy. Or yeah. you like with like Bielsa in this instance, you don't have to play 100 miles an hour against a team that will have most of the ball because you'll be out of energy by 70 minutes. And, and they'll just conquer you like that. They'll skin you alive, really. But I think yeah. um, teams have shown that already against them. Man United showed it first game of the season. West Arsenal. Ham showed it last week as West well. West Ham. I think Arsenal. they're going to do it again. Arsenal, um, Arsenal beat them, didn't they? Yeah. yeah we did. 3-1 or 4-1, something like that. Yeah. Did a good job out there. Uh, yeah, I've forgotten it. I think I've watched the highlights. So I remember what happened in that game. But they had, they had, they have injury problems as well. Leeds do. Yeah. I think that game had, they had injuries. They had COVID. They had. Yeah, they are missing Patrick Bradford. Yeah, he's doing that they, uh, save the world thing, like he, like Marcus Rashford. He's doing that in his spare time, which is good for him. Uh, yeah, Bradford, but well, yeah, he no. can't do anything. He's yeah, they're missing him. They are missing him. Mm. Are we all going for a West Ham winner? I guess. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Right, sure. This is the game of the weekend. <laughs> Finally. Again, all the neutrals will probably want Man City or Chelsea to be the game of the weekend, but I'm bigging this <laughs> up on the podcast because we've got um, our, our special guest as an Arsenal fan. No, so, it's the game of the weekend. It is the game of the weekend. Spurs versus Arsenal. Um, it's at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I want to discuss the midfield battle with you because Arsenal against Nottingham Forest you kind of got outplayed by Nottingham Forest's midfield and there was a young uh, James Gardner on loan from Manchester United who outplayed Charlie Patino. Again, granted, it was only one of his first few appearances um, and Samuel Conga as well. So mm. how do you see this midfield battle going before we get into the proper preview of the game? Because I'm looking at this Antonio Conte side with Hjolberg, with Skip, with Harry Winks, looking to kind of assert their dominance with the lack of, um, with the lack of Partey in that midfield and Maitland Niles obviously going off to uh, Roma alone, yeah. and El Neni going off to the African Cup of Nations. How do you see it going for Arsenal in that midfield? Who do you think will start? How do you think um, you'll get against the Tottenham's midfield, especially with that three-four-three uh, system that Conte plays? So I think midfield-wise, I think we're either going to go for Shaka and Sambi, mm-hmm. Odegaard and Shaka, mm-hmm. or Shaka uh, or Odegaard and Sambi. Depends on Shaka's fitness because Shaka's got COVID at the moment. 
Yeah, it's quite um, worrying that, but I think you've got a couple of days until he has to confirm if he's fit yeah. or not. So if he is fit, that'd be great. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'd be really happy to get Granit Xhaka back. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and it'd be, it'd be really good because I think the better midfield that I'd rather see is him and, and Sambi. Do you remember last uh, season when Thomas Partey wasn't fit and he got yeah. he, he walked off the pitch at the time of Hotspur Stadium and, and um, I just pushed him just, oh, no, no, you're yeah. okay. And then they scored. Just broke and literally, oh, it was horrid because you're seeing a player of that kind of quality, these so just go on the ground, fall on the floor, let the ref blow the whistle, pause the game. Walking off the pitch, you just left a gap in the middle of the pitch. I don't even know what he was thinking. But um, can't carry on, yeah. boss. I can't do it anymore. Tottenham are too yeah. good. That's what he was thinking at the time. Yeah, um, never that. <laughs> never that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You're proven right. As, as, yeah. as you've seen before, you've been proven right. Yeah. The Spurs haven't done it. No, they haven't. But I think, um, do you know, I actually think this game is going to be quite interesting because mm. I think Arsenal, after the Nottingham Forest, mm-hmm. need to respond. They need a performance. They need a performance. But we've also got Liverpool on Thursday. So I don't know whether the performance would be Liverpool Thursday and you might have a lull against Spurs, which you can't have. Ever. You can't have ever. it ever against your local rivals. It's yeah. worrying if you do. And then what's worse is we're at their stadium. Mm-hmm. Countries. So it'd be lovely. London Derby as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'd be lovely to shut them up at their stadium. Um, I genuinely don't know how this game's going to go. Obviously, have I'm rooting for Arsenal. Have, have you done it at the new stadium yet, Sean? Yeah, we have. We have. You won at, yeah. You've won at the new stadium? I, I believe so. <laughs> I'm not going to say yeah, I have that confidence. I believe we have. Uh, um, but we, we need to do it. Like, n- nothing less. Because I think one of the reasons why we need it is forget the rivalry. Mm. I want top four of the season. Especially now that we're out there fake up. Yeah. Um, I will take I will take a one 0 loss against Liverpool playing a weaker team to play a best team against Spurs and we get three points. Mm-hmm. Um forget bragging rights. I don't even care about bragging rights this season. I just want three points. I want to be in the top four at the end of the season. And this is how you get in the top four, is by making sure you beat Spurs. <clears throat> we no, have Brian. to lead bleeding the way at the beginning of the season. Mm. I think we can definitely blow them away again. Just depends on which Arsenal you get. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Because the way I'm looking at it, the bragging rights you'd have is being in the Champions League next season by getting into that top yeah. four. So that's the that's the ultimate bragging rights right there as well. Yeah, Adil, how do you see this game going from a Spurs perspective? Because I'm looking at this Antonio Conte side; they've been pretty decent so far since he's been in. Uh, he has said that the standards have uh, dropped from the last time that you played uh, managed against Spurs. So it's just the fact that he's expecting to bring in a couple more signings. The Ndombele situation has, has risen over the weekend. Obviously, the fact that he walked off the pitch when they were losing and got drawing to Morecambe. And yeah. it looks like there's no way out. It felt like a Granite Xhaka moment when the crowd were just going against him and he was walking slower off the pitch, which is quite sad. To well, see. He's a talented player, but it's all honest, about the mentality, what, isn't it? What Conte said after the game about him should give him a bit of confidence. Mm. Where he says he needs to show that he's, you know, better than the booze that he got. But we've seen that before, haven't we? Again, I don't want to be that guy that's always beating the bush, but we've seen that in that Spurs documentary when uh, Jose Mourinho came in and yeah. he took Dembele out of yeah. the team and then he had that howler against Burnley when he's just walking around them and get, get subbed at half-time. But Maybe he's just not suited to Premier League football. He signed for the wrong North London club. <laughs> You would hate him as well if he was playing like that, wouldn't you, Sean? Hate him, yeah, no, we'd hate him. Arsenal fans couldn't tolerate that kind of behaviour. 
Because there's, um, there's so many players that act like luxury players when they don't offer much luxury on the pitch. Do you get what no. I mean? Yeah, no. And he reminds me, do you know what? When I saw him walking off the pitch, I just literally just thought of Ozil. Mm. And I just thought to myself, oh, it's just this, that big, not Ozil when he first came, but big contract Ozil. Yeah. Is when he just felt sorry for himself. Yeah. He felt like he was the best player on the team. Why is he not being allowed to finish the game and whatever, whatever? And he was like, but you're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. You haven't, you don't track back. You don't attack. You don't assist. You're not scoring. You're literally just on this pitch just to pass the ball to your friends. This is this is a Sunday game to you, just to, just your local people. Um, so I just, yeah, no, I think I think he's done at Spurs. Um, but I think Spurs need him to be done at Spurs, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because that club needs a clear out. Massive clear out. It's quite worrying now because a lot of these teams, they just spend so much money on these contracts. And speaking to my friend, uh, Suki, who's a Spurs fan, and I was talking to him about how, um, why did you, why did Spurs give them a big contract? Because he was like, as Spurs, unfortunately, the only time we can get big players or so-called big players or big names coming in is with big mm. contracts. But it means that they've already, they've already got their foot in the door thinking they're it, they're the big guy. But if yeah. they're not performing on the pitch, they're still getting a contract and they don't really have to perform, which is quite mm. worrying in terms of how some of these Premier League teams are run as well. Because he was their record mm. signing for Spurs. He was yeah. meant to help Harry Kane and Son and, and Mora and those three players in their attack. They needed someone to, in essence, because Christian uh, Eriksen went to Inter Milan before they got Ndombele and that money that they sold for him as well. They were just there kind of looking, thinking they need to go back to the drawing board in terms of some of these players, Delhi Ali that we've seen, um, Ndombele yeah. that we've seen as well. Joe Rodon, £20 million. That looks like it's gone down the drain as well, which is quite wrong for their defensive worries as well. But it's something that I think Antonio Conte will figure out himself because I think Antonio Conte has got that has got has got that mentality of he will not play as a number six or a number eight in this midfield because if he did against this Arsenal side he'd get overrun every day of the week he can only play as one of those two uh, plays behind Harry Kane but Son and Moore aren't giving up their positions anytime soon. I think I think it's going to be interesting because I think it depends on what Tottenham do this January. Mm-hmm. If there's no signings. I think Conte may not be there by summer. Yeah, he'll be done by it. He'll be like, you can't give me a team like this and not expect me to improve it. He has a short-term contract as well, doesn't he? Yeah, 18 months. 18 months, yeah. He's the one that can literally get them silverware because if it can't be Mourinho, it will be Conte. If it can't be Conte, then no one else will want to go to Spurs. No one will. Mm. It'll be another Nuno situation. But um, just to round up the, the previews that we have, Spurs, I don't think... I think it will be a high-scoring draw. I don't want to sit on the fence, but Arsenal again with that game on Thursday, I think they'll put more of their eggs into that basket than they will against Spurs because it's their one chance of silverware this season. I think Arteta will want to go big against this Liverpool side again without some of their bigger players, their bigger attackers. But I think with the way that you performed against Manchester City uh, a couple of weeks ago at the <coughs> Emirates, I think with a performance like that, you can easily take that against the Spurs side and look to open them up. The likes of Martinelli, the likes of Saka, the likes of Smith-Rowe um, going forward as well. Who would you start up front? Would it be uh, Lacazette? Sure. Lacazette every day. There's no other striker at that club. And Ketia's not, not allowed to in my club. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. After that performance against Nottingham Forest and that miss he's, against um, Everton as well, is not been you know performing what? well he's, he's our Greenwood. Really? Yeah, but not as technically gifted as Greenwood. Or as good. As good as we know, I don't know where he gets this idea from that he's the best thing since sliced bread and he's holding Arsenal at ransom. He's talking about he wants first team football. If not, he's leaving the club. 
Arteta should just be like, bye bye. We've got other youngsters yeah. coming through. We'll get more he's youngsters. Not, he's not through. good enough. He's not good enough. He, I was thinking about it the other day, and I was saying, I was thinking about it the other day, and I was saying, he came in on a really high ceiling, mm-hmm. and we were all like, oh, he's going to go further. He hasn't. He stayed exactly where he's come. Where he's coming. He hasn't improved. Hasn't got any better. He's just been that where he was at is is just how good he is. This is just his his level. He hasn't improved since I've seen him. We came under Emery's um, tenure, didn't Arte- he? Wenger. Arte- Wenger. That long? Wenger. 2018? Yeah. yeah. Man has been there for a while now. Giroud yeah. was still there when he came. Mm. Nah, that's true, that is. Adil, how do you see this game going for a neutral? Because Arsenal versus Spurs is a game that we both love to watch. It's a good entertaining game for a neutral. So how do you see it going yeah. for yourself? I see a Spurs win. Ooh. Harry Kane turning up, Son turning up. Son. Kane, Son. Yeah. Lucas, one of one of those three. Lucas versus Tierney, that would be a good battle. Yeah, right yeah. I see a Spurs win. Mm. Maybe like a two-one, something like that. Arsenal will score, but I think Spurs, Spurs will win. Kane likes to turn up in these games, doesn't he? Sure. Yeah, I think he does, being, especially at their stadium. With mm-hmm. it being Conte's first North London derby, and the way Conte is, that's why I'm backing Spurs to win. But one he hates that. Arsenal as well. He hates Arsenal from his Chelsea yeah, days. Yeah, he does. He hates Arsenal. Nah, I, I do love to see a bit of old-fashioned Conte running up and down the touchline, giving it, it was all uh, running on with the fans as well, just like after the game, just like fully passionately backing it as well. As an opposition fan, you hate it, but you love to see it as a neutral, which is going to be good. Um, I just want to talk about one transfer rumour before we end the podcast today. If Arsenal get this striker, I'll be very... Very unhappy. Dusan, Dusan Blahovic from Fiorentina. That's why I mentioned strikers before, Sean. If you get Blahovic in this January transfer window ahead of all of these other teams that are after him, do you know how mad it will be? You have a proper <laughs> goal scorer and finisher striker who inevitably will probably look to move in four or five years if he, if he goes to Arsenal. To probably one of the biggest teams in Europe, like Real Madrid or Bayern Munich or something like that, if Lewandowski retires. Mm. But if you get him for three, four years, Sean, if you get him, I, I could look like a fool next week and he could not move or he could go somewhere else. But he's definitely leaving Fiorentina. He doesn't want to stay there any further. 18 yeah. goals in 22 games. In, um, they're, Fiorentina are like sixth or seventh in the league at the moment. He's a very good player to watch. And last season, I had him on FIFA and he didn't really do that well for me in my Valencia career. <laughs> But this season, when I've been watching him properly, like Serie A on, on BT Sport and everything, it's been a joy to watch and it's fun to watch. And you're, you're just there thinking, like, I could be watching something else like The Hobbit on Netflix, but I'm watching Fiorentina versus Genoa on, on BT Sport because of Vlahovic. It's a very interesting yeah. striker to watch. Um, what do you know about him, if you know anything about him, um, Sean? Do you know what? I don't know much about him, which is why at the moment, this January, I'll take Calvert-Lewin over him. Mm-hmm. Um, however, from watching his little highlights on YouTube, he seems like a very good striker. Mm-hmm. And I think Arsenal's striker will find out on Traps and Dead Like Day. Arsenal don't do, won't do the signing early. They'll do it last minute. We'll get through January. Then when everybody's thinking, okay, deadline Arsenal won't do anything. Deadline day, last two or three hours. There you go. The Sky Sports yes. reporter outside the Emirates or the training ground, all the fans there did just it. buzzing. If you think about it, we did it with Bamyang, did it with Ozil. Sanchez. Sanchez, if we have a big signing, it's going to be a deadline day in January. Mm. More for the marketing than anything. Yeah. Because there's there's a rumour that um, Lucas Torreira, who's on loan with Fiorentina at the moment, that will be included in the deal as well. Like, Arteta just yeah. doesn't want him back. 
But it's just the fact that you do want to get in a new striker. And if you were to get him over Calvert-Lewin, for example, who is looking at 60, 70 million from Everton because he's literally their crown, crown, crown jewels at the yeah. moment. Yeah, I was getting tongue-tied there. But realistically speaking, I mean, Balogun's gone on loan to Middlesbrough as well. Yeah. Um, and Ketia, like you said, is trying to hold the club hostage. Aubameyang is PM for Aubameyang. Want to get rid of him as much as possible. But I also think that if we were to get a Vlahovic, you'd see a better Aubameyang. 100%. 100%. You'd see a much better Aubameyang. And you're I looking, think that's what Arsenal's attack would be really for. Yeah, because you're just there thinking, like, if Aubameyang needs someone to step up, he needs another striker to get, get up his game. If he does want to play, he doesn't want to play. But if he was to play, he needs someone young, exuberant, someone who can find the back of the net. It's, like the, it's basically described as a Serbian um, Ibrahimovic. As, that's why I was talking to mm. my friend Julian, who's, a, who's, who's an Inter Milan fan. So he's what, he watches Syria like every other week. So he's telling me he can score every type of goal. So headers, left foot, right foot, uh, long shots, tap ins, proper goal poacher. And it's just the fact that a lot of people, including Sky Sports today, they're saying that Vlahovic would be interested in the move to Arsenal. So if this does happen, the Premier League would have welcomed one of the hottest youngsters. In world football, I, I will say that one of the hot services in world football. And unfortunately, it could be playing for Arsenal, mm. which, which isn't very good at all. But no, nah, if, if it's exciting. good, it's, it's exciting for Arsenal fans, but it's not very exciting for the rest of the league if, if, it's, um, if it happens and if his form comes through over as well. But no, that's the end of our little Premier League preview. Sean, do you have anything else to say in terms of um, Arsenal for the Premier League? I know you mentioned top four earlier this season. Do you reckon you need probably one or two players in January besides Vlahovic? Do you reckon you'll be okay? When yeah, we need, we need at least one more player. Mm. Um, somebody in the middle of the clock. Um, we just need it in general, um, especially if we're getting rid of players like Torreira, Maitland-Niles is gone. Um, and then whoever we really got rid of, well, obviously, is AFCON, but we're technically getting rid of certain players. Yeah. So it's like, okay, we're getting rid of them, but who are you bringing in? Because yeah. we can't just rely on Shaka, Sambi, Partey and Elneny. Um, that midfield needs some strengthening. Exactly. Um, and we can see that. We can see that right now. Um, and that's it. I think one more midfield. And I think we need a right back. And I'm really interested in, in Spence from Nottingham Forest. Killed uh, us. He's on loan from Nottingham Forest, isn't he? I think it's from... Uh... No, he plays for Nottingham Forest. Firstly, they bought him. Did they buy him? I thought he was on loan at Nottingham Forest. Sorry. So I wasn't no. sure. Um, somebody else is on loan, but not him. He's actually no. a Nottingham Forest player. Oh, okay, that's pretty good then. But uh, I, yeah. he impressed a lot of people that weekend as well. So it'll be good to see how, how he did going forward. Um, but no, I've been saying for a while, Basuma should have gone to Arsenal last summer. That should have been one of your priority signings and he would have been quality yeah. with, with him. And even though we've mentioned Ruben Neves a lot, I think someone like, it won't, it won't happen, but Conor Gallagher from Crystal Palace. I know he's a Chelsea player, but I don't think he'd go to Arsenal, but he would be a really good yeah. signing for you. It's funny because I think Ruben Neves is an Arsenal player. Not a Man United player, more of an Arsenal player. It'd work at Arsenal. I think Ruben, ne- yeah. I said it last week, I think Ruben Nevers would be really good with Partey in that midfield as well, um, which would be pretty good. Yeah. Adil, do you have anything positive to say about Man United? Because I've got nothing no, positive to say nothing. about <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. We're, we're both looking at tickets like clowns for, for the next couple of games coming up. There's like West Ham, there's Watford, there's... The only one is... Varane, a good game. Just Rafa yeah. around, that's it. Varane has been a good game. Yeah, it should it should be a good game against Aston Villa. It should be a good game against Southampton in February. <laughs> but we're just there. Like, are we going to go and enjoy it? Probably not. 
I, I said it my sister yesterday. I was literally like, the only reason I go to like really nice restaurants when I go to Manchester is because if Man United let us down and we lose and we have a poor performance, we still have something good in the day. The food was good. It needs to be done. It needs to be done, man. But no, I said it at the beginning when Ralph Ragnick came in just to write off the rest of the season. He may put his, his, his way of playing in. He still hasn't two months in, unfortunately. Um, that's it just seems like no one's listening to him. That's, that's the thing. You don't get those players that want to do it for the manager, even for six months, because you can look at Pochettino coming in. He's not going to change yeah. it straight away. It's not going to happen. Or even um, Ten Hag, if he comes, he's not going to change it. Yeah, it won't happen because these are some stupid personalities and some stupid wages. Sorry, everyone, for listening. We are whinging a bit now. It's not really a podcast, but sorry, Sean, for being on this. No, you, no United, United have been terrible. I can't blame you guys at all. Some, Dean, Dean yeah. Henderson's our backup keeper on 110k a week. He gets he gets twenty k less than Mohamed Salah. That sums it all up. Wow. Sums it all up realistically. Marcus Rashford got three different contracts in his time at Man United, and what's he done for us besides winning the Europa League? He sunk yesterday like an idiot. Yeah. So what if the crowd be you? You're not you're not immune to crowd pressure. There's a banner Marshall. yesterday. Yeah, Marshall is just is. We can't even get rid of him because of his two hundred k wages. So if he yeah. didn't want to pay two hundred k a week. For a loan deal, it's just just embarrassing. I said it on. I said it on this. You know what? Actually, now I'm, I'm genuinely thinking about it now. I don't know why you guys gave Marshall two hundred thousand. Because it's stupid. Like you know, a bad man's on three hundred k a week or three hundred and fifty k a week. Yeah, but Yang was like your star man though. With Marshall, yeah. he's another squad player. Exactly. Oh, That's like God. us giving a Ketia a two hundred k deal. And Kete will be like, yeah, give me the money and he still won't play. Exactly. Right Even Bruno Fernandes looks like he's soaking now. Yeah, yesterday on the bench when he came off, the, the crowd yeah. were uh, cheering him because he did really well. And then he got subbed. He's Just soaking. It's like, even though he was a captain yesterday, he did not put a captain's performance at all. Mm. At all. It's awful. But um, yeah, just to end the podcast on a positive light, Rafael Varane, back in full fitness. Will he get to three games in a row playing? Hopefully he gets to three games in a row without getting injured. He will. He will. Hopefully he will. Hopefully he doesn't get injured in training because that guy is just made of glass, man. I, I appreciate the, the performances he put in. He's a proper wire on the pitch, but he's just injured all the time. I'm not going to call him the French Eric Bailly, but he just gets injured just like that. It's like Laurent Blanc, yeah. if you think about it. We got Laurent Blanc at the end of his career as well, Sean, and he was just injured yeah. all the time. Barely but Varane's only 28, isn't he? 29. Yeah, but he's been playing since like he's 18. So it's like Wayne Rooney because he's playing from Still young, young yeah. age. Still young level. in terms of a centre-back. No, depends. Depends. If if he's a proper fit centre-back, yeah, you've got time. But depends what he does in his spare time. Mm. Um, Centre-backs, yeah, they're 40. <laughs> well, only Chiellini. Chiellini, Bellucci later on. Maldini did that. You have to go to Issy to come to play in, in your 40s. Um, but no, we'll end it there. Everyone, thank you very much for listening. Sean, thank you very much thank for you. coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Nah, it's good. You need to get me on one of yours now because I've been waiting for like a month now. So I'm going to see will. what your podcast format is like. It'll be fun. Um, Adam, it's good to see you back from full fitness and hopefully we'll get to see each other soon, which will be quite nice. Yeah. Everyone, thank you very much for listening. Take care from the, the Rona. And um, yeah, good night. Take care.